The word God in the modern world of philosophy and theology is, def is defined as the answer to the question, why is there something instead of nothing? As we discussed in earlier episodes, just as ethics and morality uh, must involve the assertion of ought in its inquiry and conclusions, an answer to this question must involve an absolute truth or it is not an answer, nor are you asking the right question. Statistics and probability may be able to get you to a fraction of a second after the Big Bang, uh, Big Bang, assuming that there was a Big Bang and ignoring all of the inherent contradictions and inconsistencies in that scientific theory and in quantum mechanics. But it does not answer why there was a Big Bang, nor can it. Science gives statements that can be proven false. It only gives results that can be proven false or it creates probabilities. It cannot create absolute truths, such as the answer to the question of why is there something instead of nothing. We discussed in the first episodes dealing with truth and illusion, the metaphysical and ontological contradictions in reason's attempts to define its own consciousness, let alone the universe, are inherently incomplete and inconsistent. The paradoxes of modern science that are just as bad can only be solved by rejecting the axioms of identity, of non-contradiction, and of the excluded middle, in which case there is no truth or reason or falsehood or illusion, just mysticism. If you are willing to do that, then you are just as religious as the most fanatic of Muslims, and there is no need to go further with these episodes. Even without using, using one's imagination and creativity, uh, there is an ontological proof for the existence of God that cannot be refuted, and thus being an atheist or an agnostic is not the uh, rational choice. It is, a, it is an irrational choice. The problem for the working man is what to do with this God who exists. Since he is metaphysically amoral and indifferent to our individual existence, should the working man reject him in despair and live in the life of absurdity as the ex existentialist claim, in which everything is allowed and you can get away with it, or given the limits of reason and logic, should a working man seek hope in the will search for truth beyond reason, in truths that cannot be discussed by words, but only revealed through leaps of fate or to faith in God, as the uh, religious existentialists uh, argue. The ontological proof is a very subtle logical proof, but unlike most of modern mathematics and science, it is not counterintuitive. It requires deep thought and consideration but once such is done, eventually with time, the necessary conclusion uh, logically and naturally flows, so naturally uh, that it and God's existence was simply assumed in ancient philosophy, and it was the nature of God that was their focus. Uh, ancient philosophy uh, intuitively understood the ontological proof and is, is implicit in uh, almost all of at least Western philosophy. It was not until the Middle Ages that the uh, ontological proof was formally stated by the uh, medieval philosopher St. Amsel. Uh, its last statement uh, in modern mathematical logic was by the logician Kurt Goodell, who was one of the most logical thinking men in known history, yet who also believed in platonic forms and God and who, according to his wife, read the Bible on a regular basis. I've put a copy of Goodell's proof on the webpage mainly to show that neither atheism nor agnosticism have exclusive claims to rationality, but are really the lazy man, lazy man's, uh, lazy person's way to avoid answering what is the essence of human consciousness and of what God is. Why is there something instead of nothing?
It uses mathematical logic and therefore is not easy to decipher, but will give you something to think about for a few years probably, if you ever have the time and energy to deal with it in your working world. Uh, St. Amso's statement of the proof is much more intuitive, uh, which goes as follows. God must exist because we have a word for God. Even assuming that the mind is simply a collection of finite chemical reactions and words are derived from the sense reactions of these chemical reactions, we have a word God that represents an infinite, uh, omnipresent, omniscient, an eternal being, a being of which nothing greater exists or can be thought of existing. The reason why there is something instead of nothing. The only way that a finite being dependent on senses could have such a word is if God exists. Assuming a rationalist view that the mind can have ideas that are not dependent on sense reactions, the same conclusion must necessarily follow and is true. To have such an idea must involve an existing being. If this idea lacked existence, the mind would imagine another idea of the same being that did exist. Since uh, existence is more perfect, more omnipresent and omniscient and, and uh, timeless than not existing, then this uh, greater idea must exist. Either way, a being of which nothing greater exists, God, would exist. Uh, I'll put the, uh, formal the formal proof is written by uh, St. Absel on the uh, webpage also. The only refutation to this argument is that words and ideas do not necessarily involve the attribute of existence. In order to understand why this refutation is wrong and any other attempt at refutation fails requires serious thought. For example, I can try to imagine the most beautiful car in, in the universe, but such uh, imagining does not make it exist. However, such attempted refutation uh, meets, uh, misses the point. No matter how I try to think or imagine the most beautiful, most powerful, or mo most whatever car, it will still be limited in time, power, and physical being. I can always imagine something more beautiful, more powerful, and more what a car is and should be until I reach the concept of God, who will be the most powerful, most beautiful, and the most of whatever a car could be or of what anything could be. I cannot think of anything greater than what is represented by the word God. It is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. The Alpha and the Omega. If I try to imagine or think of a finite God, I can always go on to imagine or think of a greater being. An existing being is greater than a non-existing being. Without this word and, and thought of the word God, Consciousness would be free to live purely in the moment, such as all of the remainder of living beings. There would be no question of completeness or meaninglessness of life, and you could have as much fun in the moment as your dog. Without this word, there would be no, uh, I think, therefore I am, of uh, Cartesian philosophy. In fact, uh, Rene Descartes' uh, philosophical proof of this uh, cogito ergo sum, proving his own existence to be irrefutable, he next, uh, next proof after that was the existence of God, based on his version of an ontological proof. Uh, Descartes was a mathematician, uh, the founder of Cartesian geometry, which has made most of modern science possible. But he also worked as a mercenary, and uh, he can't be ridiculed as a religious fanatic. As existentialist philosophers have pointed out, probably a better way to state his proof is that I am, therefore I think. Either way, the questions of what is consciousness, uh, what, is, what is thinking, what are ideas, what are words, what is truth, 
some of the questions discussed in prior episodes, if you think about these questions deeply enough, and the words and the meanings, meaning of words, the necessary answer of a necessarily existing, infinite, omnipresent, omniscient, and eternal being is derived by the existence of the word God, or we, we would not have the word. Uh, the problem with such proof is that it does not prove the existence of a Christian God, that is, a loving God. Uh, and it is this loving God that, mo- that atheists and agnostics, agnostics usually mean when they say God does not exist. This proven God most closely is the uh, pantheist, pantheistic God of the philosopher Spinoza and of Eastern philosophy. Uh, essentially, this proof leads to uh, reality being the substance of God and everything and all is the reality is the substance of what makes God and we are thoughts in that substance or thoughts in the mind of God. This is very unlike the Christian God that is defined as the creator of reality that is on this earth but not of this earth in which God's substance is distinct from this world that is seen either as a human creation by rejecting God or as a creation of some kind of evil. This is a, a separate theological issue. The proven God of this ontological proof has rational attributes because it is a rational proof, such as infinite, omnipresent, omniscient, timeless. These are attributes that are the is of mathematics and of logic, are rational necessities of the word God. But this proof does not entail God having moral or ethical attributes such as good or evil. Uh, these are human religious ideas involving ought statements, as we discussed prior. Why is there evil in the world? Because there is. Uh, it makes no sense to ask why God ought to do this or ought to act like this. Uh, he is God. He can do whatever he wants. Things are only good or evil in relation to human needs. God does not need. He just is. We are the ones that need stuff. What to do with this good-evil problem is another true theological or religious issue. Maybe this religious, rational God is an asshole that needs to be rejected. Fine, do it. But do not hide behind atheism or agnosticism. If you want the hope offered by the answer of a Christ, if you want to believe that God saw the problem and became human to counteract or as part of his own nature, uh, then do that wholeheartedly. Uh, as existentialists complain, Uh, subsuming Christian values into a secular world serves only to con workers into a 1984 world of moral zombies.